OTFS episode number 42. Hi, this is Martin Woodward. Hi, and this is Greg Duncan. So we're celebrating uh, Douglas Adams' what would have been his 60th birthday, I guess, with show number 42. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually just reread the, the whole series of A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books, you know, in, in honour of Douglas Adams' what would have been his 60th birthday. So. Uh-huh. Very, very cheap on um, as a, on Amazon Kindle. You know, it was mm. great. So it was it was nice to go through them all again. I haven't read them since I was a kid. Anyway, sorry, that's an aside. <laughs> Let's talk about TFS. That's what we're here for. Sorry, um, uh, uh, Mickey and Paul couldn't be with us today. Uh, they've uh, got some pressing things up. Mickey's actually um, sorry. Paul's busy trying to get our our website back up. He's currently having some some server issues, and then uh, Mickey's busy uh, doing all the stuff that Mickey does. So um, hopefully we'll be back soon. Um, but on with the show. The first thing I want to talk about, as seems to be the trend nowadays, you know, every single show we do, the TFS team have released yet something else. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That 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 pace is. It's getting to the point almost where people are going to start complaining that they're doing it too fast. Yeah, you, you can't make everybody happy, but it's it's just funny. But I I would I think rather too often and ignore some in the middle, you know, or not worry about some in the middle versus you know three years between updates. So. Well, you know, if you listen to this podcast, then you're into this kind of stuff, so we'll bore you with all the details. <laughs> but um, uh, Brian Harry uh, did a blog post on um, the latest update to TFS Preview. So if you go to tinyurl.com slash TFS Preview 1204, um, you can read about um, some of the stuff that happened in this latest update. Now, I mentioned on the show before, we... Um, we're, we're use Scrum in TFS, well, in the whole of the Visual Studio team, actually. But uh, in the TFS team, we use Scrum, and we do uh, three-week iterations. So after every three-week iteration, we actually push um, push a new release out to TFS Preview. We have the ability to, to in fact, we do. We, we, um, we're actually pushing some stuff uh, tomorrow, actually, believe it or not. So we, we can push TFS Preview more often than that if we have to. But the sort of the, the general feature cadence is... Um, is to push, you know, once every three weeks, uh, new features, um, and then we we are interestingly behind the scenes we have some we have some um, services set up so we can we can enable features. So just because we've finished coding, right. them, they're a potentially shippable increment. We don't necessarily want them switched on for everybody at the same time. Mm-hmm. So the, a great example of that was the um, was the build stuff. You know, we talked about it the week. How you how is a hosted build controller available now? Mm-hmm. Um, all that that was that's been in there for quite a while. Actually, that's been in there for a good few months, and um, we've been iterating over it. Actually, running in production, and we just had it enabled for. Initially, it was enabled for a few accounts. So, say like you know. Uh, well, initially it was enabled for about five accounts, of which I was lucky enough to be one of them. And then it was uh, rolled out to a few more, sort of all the TFS team. Then it was rolled out to, you know, like uh, select insiders and MVPs and things like that. And eventually it was sort of switched on publicly. And even when it switched on publicly, we, we roll it out slowly across the accounts to sort of, you know, we switched on a little bit and see what horrible things might have happened. <laughs> And then if all go if all goes well, then we switch on for all the other accounts. So yeah, it's quite interesting. But um, Brian was talking about some of the latest updates. The two, um, well, the biggest thing really um, was we did some changes to that hosted build system to rewire some of the the, um, the plumbing in how it takes how how we fire up the build controllers. Um, mm-hmm. 
we we sort of we use virtual machines to fire up the build controllers, and we um, we we use all the Azure tooling to basically you know we have an image which is a, a blank build controller, right. and we we fire it up, and then we attach it to a project collection, and and then then we run the build, and then detach it, and you know, and then trash the machine again and, and put it back into the pool. So we, we've kind of done some some smarts. I actually don't know all the details, but we did some smarts around there and, and made it... Uh, the thing I have noticed is it's a heck of a lot faster now to uh, to, to for a build to go from queued to actually in progress. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure what all they've done there, but they've done a great job. And then um, we did... We've also done... Again, this won't, this won't be noticed by anybody um, outside the company, hopefully... Uh, but we did a bunch of work in like internally how we architect the system. One of the one of the business met we we have a bunch of metrics we measure. You know we measure usage and we like to see which features people are using. But right. we also measure how much it costs us to keep the system running. Uh, mm-hmm. Cogs we call it. You know cost of goods sold. Right. And part of the whole um, part of the whole thing while while we're in preview mode and you know we're, we're accepting we're you know we're all. It's invitation only and things. Part mm-hmm. of what we're doing is driving down our costs internally to run the system, and we did some pretty big architectural changes um, to how we've laid out the stuff in this past release to, to really help us um, increase the density of hosting and therefore you know bring down costs a lot. So um, yeah, again, you won't notice that hopefully. Um, but, uh, it the it just means that we can well you know when the service is paid for it'll be the the cost we can charge for it will hopefully be a lot more affordable so that's good yeah, that's exactly what i was going to say yeah we'll notice it hopefully in a lower cost when it actually goes rtm yeah and then what i really like is a bunch of just little stuff that got added um the the web team keep doing like things that make me smile i remember um, one show where i was smiling because um control s now worked and you could save, <laughs> save work items with control s right now on the backlog, you can just um, hold the Alt key and then use the up-down arrow keys, and it orders items in the backlog. Hmm. How cool is that? <laughs> it's just that's, that's nice. Thing about you just up-down. How, how discoverable are these new features? Oh well, um, things like the Control S, they're not right. discoverable at all until you try it and then do it. That Alt one, that's an interesting one. I don't even. Can you do, do you use the Alt? Is that is that like? I'm trying to think if I've ever used. That's not in my muscle memory. Pressing yeah. down, so yeah, that's an interesting question. Well, there we go. It means we're with the market for podcasts like ours that give you what's <laughs> in how to use TFF. So uh, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, we'll have to see about that. Yeah, I'm know. looking at the new uh, uh, sign-in screen. That's a lot prettier. Yeah, hopefully you'll never see that because um, yeah. one of the things that we did as well was uh, so the way the system's built, it can actually handle multiple um, identity providers. Mm-hmm. So, we support any federated identity provider that access control services supports. So we, we, we test against them all. But um, we only currently have enabled your Windows Live ID stroke Microsoft ID. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, so because that's currently the only one enabled, the, the sign-in screen looks and says, hey, um, you know, you've only got Windows Live ID enabled, therefore it just bounces you straight off to the Live ID page now to get ready to sign in. Right. That's kind of, for me, it's a bit annoying because um, it's thrown up a category of issues around that people have if they have multiple live IDs. Um, and I, I do have multiple live IDs. I have one that's like I use personally that's attached to, you know, 
Xbox and my personal TFS preview account, right. a bunch of other stuff, you know, like actually my window, you know, my um, uh, MSDN forums ID, that's all attached to this, you know, my personal live ID. And then I have my work one, which is um, a Microsoft-based live ID. Um, and switching between the two is really painful at the minute. <laughs> And it's kind of got a little bit. It's kind of got a little bit worse since we did this change. So the guys are doing a bunch of work there to try and see how we can make that better. And hopefully, you know, in the next few months, I think Brian even talks about it. Within the next few months, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll have some solutions there. But in the meantime, bear with us. Or use two different browsers, or use in private browsing mode. You know, whatever to to to, to get around things. Um, and then we updated the we updated the build service images with some stuff as well. I think it was the Azure. Um, SDK we stuck on there. So no, that was good. And um, it's Brian's mentioned it in his uh, blog before, but the the Coplex team have actually come over to uh, their Team Foundation server team now. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, there's, there's um, I think people have noticed because all of a sudden <laughs> there's been a huge round of new investments in Coplex. So um, and one of the most visible things that's happened for many, well, since. You know, some of the original versions of Coplex is it's actually had a bit of a site redesign. So mm-hmm. if you go to um, tinyurl.com slash new Coplex, uh, Mark Groves is talk blogs has blogged about um, the new look for Coplex and some of the new sort of things that's been added in. You know, they changed the project pages and changed things around a bit. And they're just trying to improve usability and, you know, make it look, you know, let everybody know that somebody's home and that we're investing right. in the site and you're going to see a lot you know that, that team are absolutely um, cranking on and you're going to see a lot more stuff coming out of that team so I'm really excited to see see what comes out there yeah well I've always been impressed by the Codeplex team you know when even when uh, Sarah Ford was on there and, and uh, you know, I've been a Codeplex user since it was beta and I've got a number of projects there and uh, they've always iterated fairly well they've always been very agile and stuff but you know it, i was a little concerned about you know its long-term viability anything that's free you, you gotta you kind of wonder how long how can it stay free you know what's keeping it propped up and running and the the, the new move to tfs preview was a good thing i i saw in my eyes and then the move from the codeplex team over to tfs those even though codeplex isn't always TFS, but it, it seemed to be a really good synergy, and it, it was very encouraging as a you know just an outside guy hosting his software up there that uh, I, you know, there was this renewed visible investment in Codeplex. You know, again, the, the team has always been iterating you know, um, very heavily. They've always looked at their internal and, and external bug lists and, and you know, uh, working with the community to, to roll new capabilities and features out. But, you know, there's a certain point when a team is just running you know, on the treadmill, it, it, there's a time when, you know, there's only so many things that they can do on their own without some heavy you know, visible outside investment or, you know, outside their department investment into it. So, yeah, it's crazy. And then, like I said, the guys like Jonathan, we've had Jonathan Wang on the show before. We should have him on again, actually. It's um, really, yeah, the team are just really, really good. We've expanded the team, you know, enormously since they came over to uh, the TFS side from where they were running at. So uh, Mm -hmm. this is, this is as big or if not bigger than, you know, than the team's ever been. So, uh, Yeah, it's really coming along nicely. So, yeah, it's great news. Great news for everybody, I think. Yep. So, uh, yeah, well, I've got on. a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
there is a, a new feature, and actually we will hopefully get this covered on uh, this week on Channel 9, too. Okay. Just but I really thought this was neat. Your podcast, we should probably point people towards that and uh, <laughs> towards that in the show notes. You didn't, you're not on it every time. You, you produce it. I produce it. Correct. Correct. But uh, so this came, this is one of those things where, you know, you get the email and it's like, oh, I've already got it here. Let's add it there. And it, everybody gets really kind of excited about it because it's, it's really kind of a neat feature. What it is, it's the uh, Community TFS Build Manager is an open source build management solution done by my favorite people, the ALM Rangers. But what this thing does is I, I'm kind of a, a documentation guy. I, I don't – maybe you know, I'm going to lose some geek cred on it, but I, I, I kind of like you know, documentation. Uh, not heavy load. Our show notes can attest to our show notes have gotten an awful <laughs> lot better since you came onto the show. <laughs> That's, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, carry on. Oh, no problem. Uh, so, uh, you know, I like documentation, and it's just it's, you know so much easier to scan through and see things. And we've got a couple other stories related to documentation later, but uh, this one is build notes. And uh, anybody who's done, if you're being agile and doing a lot of releases, you know, one of the things you kind of dread is the build notes at the end. It's like, oh, what a pain. I got to do these things and I'm cutting and pasting and it, it, it's a lot of uh, manual stuff. But the sad thing is that there's a lot of details already in TFS. So, you know, why can't you leverage all those work items and, and updates and change sets and, and all the things that are already in TFS to generate pretty, nice, good looking, yet form, uh, uh, formatable, stylable uh, Build notes, you know, that you can present to a. I wouldn't necessarily give it to the general public, but to a technical uh, a set of users. I'm just looking. It even generates a Word document. This is amazing. Exactly. Yeah. That and looks it, shiny. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what I thought about. I was looking at this. Oh, this is cool because it is highly automatable. It just generates it, and it's customizable, and it's free. You know, and you can say, "Oh, I want work items, or I want change sets, and I want test results." And I think actually that is really cool. The test results because we have to celebrate the test results that you do, not just the fails, but the passes. And, you know, and then if you're seeing that, you know, you've run 30,000 tests on that, that is, should give you a high level of, of comfort of, uh, you know, just something you, I, I love seeing that. So, you know, having that in your build notes and, and being able to celebrate that is. This is really cool. I haven't, actually, I haven't played with this yet, but I get asked for this so many times when I'm talking to people. So I'm going to go have a play with this. This is great. <laughs> Cool. Good one. Hey, um, yeah. No, but the ALM Rangers do great work as well, don't they? <laughs> Fantastic. Um, one of the uh, articles that came across uh, my stream was from Dave Lloyd on um, over at Object Shop. He did a, a quite a short post um, about uh, the shelving in TFS 11. Now, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the UI around shelving's changed quite a bit in Visual Studio 11 with the um, and, and um, in Eclipse with Team Explorer 11 uh, with the whole the way that shelving's handled in EY. It's all now in this you know in the pending changes area um, and within my work as well. You can also get to shell sets, but under the hood there was an app, there was a bunch of work done. In fact, it was you know sprints of work done improving the shelving experience. Um, both both in Visual Studio and Eclipse. And what we do now, do you remember, have you ever had the problem where you, you do a shelf set and then you um, you go and you, you unshelve something 
Um, you know, you've got the latest version locally, and you've been editing, and then you go to unshell something, and it'll say, "Oh, sorry, you know, the file that you happen to be working on also happens to be included in this shell set." So, sorry, can't do anything there. Yep. Or you've yep. you've you've added a file which you know uh, isn't, and the file exists. Like, or you know, you get a bunch of conflicts happen. Right. And it's so annoying, and you can't even unshell the shell set to see what's in the darn shell set. So, um, well, it, well we've, we fixed that, basically, in TFS 11. So, um, when you unshell, it now actually, um, it actually does a, um, a merge with what you currently have in your workspace. Um, so, it, it, it takes the version and merges in with what you've got locally. So, if you're in the middle of editing a file and you unshelve um, a particular file it will try and merge the contents. Most of the time, it can auto-merge because we also spent an awful lot of time improving the auto-merge functionality. So if you edited, you know, even in within the same file, if you edited a line in different places in that same file, then it'll just automatically pull in the stuff you've got from your shelf set. But um, if it, if you end up with a proper conflict, then it'll it'll actually bring up the conflict ex- experience you know that you normally got when you were doing either check-in conflicts or, or right. merge conflicts you, you get the conflict experience comes up which is now also um non-modal you know it's not some nasty dialogue box that pops up <laughs> that you can't get anywhere from it, it, it right. actually is a separate tab and you can go do the rest of your work and come back to the conflicts whenever you're ready and yeah it actually kind of works now so um no i'm really pleased with the shelving experience and i'm glad that um Dave's noticed it. It's one of those features that's um, when you're using it, it, it it's, the old way it works was a, what we call a dissatisfier. So it, uh-huh. it just drives you insane that it worked like that when you're using it. And so when you use it in TFS 11, it just works exactly how you expect to use it. So you can't really sell it as a feature. It's like, you know, shelving now works. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a tricky one to sell. Yeah. The problem is there's like a hundred of those in in TFS 11, especially in version control. There's so we, we call them small rocks in the team, which is a funny name, but it's because you know like pebbles in between big rocks, the fe- the main features. But there's just hundreds of these little things where we've removed dissatisfiers in source control and just gone through trying to remove friction in source control from TFS 11. So, you know, if you've had team members that have tried TFS before and haven't enjoyed it. Then once you can, you know, once you're using TFS 11 and and, visual, and a you know a Visual Studio 11 or a Team Explorer Everywhere 11, once you're using one of those clients pointing to a local workspace on TFS 11, it's com- it's so much less friction in terms of using source control. It's you know it's a completely different experience. So I try and encourage them to try it again if they've tried it before and it wasn't for them. Uh, but yeah, shelving from from Dave's a great example. Yeah, I thought that was cool when I saw that too. You know, it was just like the one of those little things that it's always the little things, the little things that pile up to be really big things. So yeah, exactly. You know, and if you were if uh, it, the other side that I really kind of liked about that feature was the switch, in that you when, could in take my work. Yeah, yeah, you could take the current work that you're doing and switch it out with a shelf set, so you don't have to do the merge. You can say, "Oh, I really need to go back to this." shelf set and not worry about the merge or anything else. So you basically switch the two. I, I thought that was kind of neat. Cool. So, so the, the next story, so both of them are related. Uh, everybody knows, well, a lot of people know. No, maybe nobody knows, but that's beside the point. Uh, you know, SQL Server 2012 became generally available April 1st. With SQL Server 2012 is a new uh, development environment. Uh, I for, for fun, by the way. Personally, I, ne- I think you should never ever release a product on April 1st. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> 
well, Gmail was originally released. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, first. I yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, carry on. And now who's the fool? Oh, anyway. Um, SQL so, Server was released, you were saying. SQL Sorry. Server was released 2012. Generally available. And, and MSDN guys and, and Technic guys, could, we could all get it earlier. But included with that is, is a new, uh, you know, the old database projects are gone. And there's a new uh, SQL projects and a new development environment based off of Visual Studio called a SQL Server Data Tools, SSDT. SSDT is actually now free. You, you can everybody can get that. There's no longer a separate Visual Studio SKU for it. It's SSDT is free for everybody. It does allow backwards compatibility, except for the project files. So uh, these two posts are um, related, and I've got the tiny URLs, uh, which is tiny URL TFS SSDT and TFS SS. DT build, and of course these will both be in the show notes. These both these posts talk about two different solutions to the same problem: uh, integrating TFS, Team Build, and SQL Server, and getting them all to work together. Uh, SSDT works off of uh, profiles when you when you're deploying a project to a SQL Server. Okay, so you create the build, you, you put all these things in your SSDT in, in, in your SQL projects. So it's got all your start procedures and your tables and all that good kind of stuff. Uh, the old data projects, you could parameter, parameterize your builds. So you could point it at different servers based off of the different builds. SSDT works off of profiles, and those are stored in XML files. Right. So how do you change those? If your test environment is different, you know, depending on the time of day, uh, continuous integration, you know, whatever, how do you change the destination? How do you change those profiles? How do you override them at build time? Uh, one of these from uh, Joel Bennett talks about using uh, MS Build and Tasks to tweak those XML profiles. Okay. So he talks about and you know how to create the properties and then use those to tweak those XMLs, uh, XML profiles, which are then used by uh, SSDT to deploy the projects. Okay. The other project uh, by Jacob. Uh, P-H-N. How would you pronounce that? N? N. Uh, Jacob N, we'll call him. Jacob. Jacob. I I say that. that. Anyway, if you're listening, Jacob, we're very sorry. (laughs) That's all my fault. Um, He shows how you can deploy the SSDT projects with TFS builds, but using, uh, um, it's a little bit, looks like a little bit simpler. There's no munging and how you can use SQL command overrides and how you can change the, the profile to enable um, SQL commands, and those SQL commands then get passed through. Mm-hmm. So, uh, great thing about developers, you know, there's one problem, there's multiple ways to solve it. These are two ways to solve deploying those SSDT projects uh, via team build for your uh, continuous integration and stuff. And that's what's good about, that's what's good and also quite scary about being in the community, you know, when new stuff gets released, is that it takes a while for people to kind of settle out the best practices and things, and why yeah. always better over and over and stuff. So no, it's it's good to it, it's a good times to learn all the different tools that you can use to crack nuts. So yeah, great posts. I'm just reading through now and seeing. One thing you can do as well is um, you can you can pass through you know you build pro in in team build you can mm-hmm. pass your build process parameters 
through into MS Build as well. So um, Mickey Gousset, interestingly enough, um, wow, this is actually like that was almost a professional segment. <laughs> Mickey, Mickey Gousset uh, over at tinyurl.com slash tfsbuildx. If you don't know, our our um, esteemed co-host, as well as um, you know, doing teamsystemrocks.com and doing the podcast, we will see also and you know, writing excellent uh, professional application lifecycle management with Visual Studio 2010 books. He also um, he does a does a column, regular column with uh, Visual Studio magazine, and he's got one um, uh, which was just last month. But the, his most recent column was about um, build execution. He's doing a series going through all the different you know the team build basically, uh, and then the current column is going through um, explaining you know how you queue a build and how build the build execution process works. But one of the things he talks about is actually um, on the queue when you manually queue a build, so you can even manually queue a CI build, for example, there's a parameters tab, and if you click on that, um, you get the build process parameters for a particular build. And those... um Parameters you can actually in there is an you know thing MS build argument so you could pass some arguments straight into MS build with without any customization to your build process. Um, but another thing you can do is you could put your own parameters in there, like you could have a checkbox in there or something like that, um, and you could make it so that a particular parameter only gets you get you, you can make it so a parameter gets displayed at say when you create the build definition when you're doing build definition edit. Or you can also specify a parameter that's that's displayed um, when you queue a build. So, like, do you want it to be debug or not? You know, um, and so you could you could add a you could potentially add a parameter into both the edit build definition and the queue build dialog, where um, you could specify a property for the SQL stuff and. Uh, <laughs> And have that pass through to MS Build. So that that'd be interesting. There's an interesting post if anyone wants to follow up with one. <laughs> any of our listeners, then please do. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's quite good. And if you want to learn more about the um, uh, the build process parameters and stuff, that that kind of bit from TFS 11 hasn't really changed much from TFS 2010. And you can actually um, get a hold. It was all sort of documented in Chapter 20 of the Visual Studio. Um, 2010 book and that may, may chapter 21 sorry that may seem like a, a fantastic plug for the excellent book professional application lifecycle in visual studio 2010 which i will put a short i will put a link to in the show notes in fact there is a link in the show notes already if you go to learn but um uh, in that, that chapter is actually available for free on the rocks website so if you go and find it you can download that chapter for free and learn all about customizing the build process and, and and then you know then you don't need to read mickey's articles in the visual studio magazine either hopefully so there we go okay what, what have you got greg yeah the, we, i had mentioned uh, documentation yeah uh, Stephen lang oh yeah Stephen's great yeah he's got a post uh, uh thoughts on managing documentation efforts in team foundation server tiny url tfs d-o-c-s tfs docs and he talks about you know how to this isn't requirements documentation this is after the fact documentation not necessarily even user training documentation but just you know if if you have a series of documentation you know, how do you again tie it you want to put all these things together you don't want them you know separated out to different groups to different areas to different repositories of all this stuff so you know it'd be nice to have all of your artifacts in one place and be able to take advantage of all the work item and the tracking and the task boards and, and, and all that stuff in TFS. So he talks about two different approaches. You know, uh, if you create like a document-centric approach, 
whereas the document itself is the version of truth and then you you know you have to manually update the documents and then you know use TFS or the SharePoint versioning to keep all that stuff together or an item centric approach where it's work item based and TFS is the version of truth so you can update those and the document kind of like the build notes thing we just talked about uh, is just the delivery mechanism versus you know so and personally i have done the document centric approach in the past and the problem with that is they get dated and it's hard to keep those up to date and they are separate entities even though you're storing them in the in the, the sharepoint site for tfs they do get out of sync um, and they are very disconnected. Whereas an item acceptance approach that he's talking about, you basically create a work item, a documentation type work item, and you write the documentation, and which gets a lot easier with uh, uh, TFS 2010 in that you know, you've got RTF-based fields that you can uh, uh, do documentation in. So it's not a long necessarily post, but it's really pretty good. And he talks about third-party tools like uh, Team for Word, which you get from CodePlex and, uh, and uh, Word to TFS and Team Spec, uh, which are um, you know, third-party tools and how you can use those to create your document from an item-centric approach. Mm-hmm. And have like a build process for it. Yeah. yeah. One so. of the... Um this brings up a good point. We actually, that's, believe it or not, there's a, uh, you get a readme file that comes with Visual Studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you've ever read it, but the, the, the items in there are actually work items internally in a system of ours. So we, nice. we, we have a, a readme items in a, you know, as work items that we go in. And we have to remember to add them as we go along. <laughs> One of the downsides of using uh, work items for this type of stuff is currently there's no real way to baseline um, work items, so you can't say easily, you know, these these are the versions of. Show me the version of the work items as of you know release one point two point six point nine kind of thing, you know. Um, so, but it's a great it's a great approach, especially for living documents and things like that. It works really really well. So uh, yeah, like everything, it's another another tool in your arsenal to decide if you want to use it or not. But yeah, great post, and also a good link to the um, uh, the you know team for Word on Coplex for doing exports of uh, of your work items to documentation, which should be handy for a bunch of stuff. Hey, we're, we're um, believe it or not, we're already already over half an hour, so we should probably start wrapping up the show. Um, uh, one thing again it's somewhat self-serving so apologies but um uh, a good friend of mine richard fennell he's um an mvp over in the uk uh, over in in leeds and um he's just done a, a really good um really well produced actually uh, video that's gone up on channel nine that's um basically uh, a fantastic demo of team explorer everywhere um it, it was it was funny to see i was like wow he's doing the demo better than i do it <laughs> <laughs> so uh and he's also touching on stuff and i was like wow i remember having that conversation with him but he said he said that so much better than i did <laughs> so um if you go to uh, tinyurl.com slash tfs for everyone if you've ever wanted to know anything about team explorer everywhere and you haven't got it from this show we haven't really talked about it much on the show have we i guess because yeah. you know i don't like to you know go on about my day <laughs> Up too much, but yeah. So if you go, if you go there, and well, it's really, it's really watchable video, isn't it, Greg? If you, yeah. You, yeah. So it was, it was great. Really impressed with that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. My last one was uh, before we do. Uh, we have a mailbag item that we want to get to, but the last thing is uh, Scott Hanselman did a yeah. uh, podcast recently about source control in the cloud and how did. Uh, 
talking about CodePlex and how it got its recent Git update, but not just that, but yeah, a lot about how the CodePlex team works. They talk about uh, him and uh, Matt. Matt Hawley, yeah, Matt. Howley. Howley. Oh, Hawley, I've already, or I always call him. I don't know if that's, yeah, anyway. Anyway, uh, you know, talk about Matt. He's an you know, infrastructure engineer. He's a grunt on the team, getting the work done. And, and uh, he and Scott talk for about a half hour about the move from Co- of CodePlex to TFS team. Um, they talk about their one-week iterations. Yeah, they're insane. Wow. Uh, the, how they implement the get. And, and you know, I learned quite a bit on, you know, I always thought kind of uh, the work items were always stored in a you know, team foundation project. But if you use Mercurial or the get services, then they, just the service, the um, source code repository was separate, but no, they're actually, uh, you know, if you're using Mercurial or Git on CodePlex, the work items and stuff are stored in a different provider. They're actually stored in a SQL server kind of provider. They've extracted the work items uh, out from, uh, you know, they've provided a provider there so you can switch between TFS or a SQL-based repository, and same with the um, source control repositories. They've got a providers there as well. So it was really an interesting uh, Listen, and just, you know, how do you do this kind of scale for these kind of things? And he even answered, you know, why don't you outsource or open source CodePlex? I've always asked that. He's like, oh, I would kind of like to put this into my organization because it's pretty and it does all these things. And he's like, you know, that's it's hard. Well, yeah, no, it's not just that. It's, yeah, exactly. He kind of explains it in great yeah. detail, but it, it's, it's built around our internal infrastructure. You know what I mean? It's built around our particular the way we host it. And so... It, there's a big difference between building a building a service and building an on-premise product, um, yeah. which, which we've learned, which we're learning and learned the other way around from Team Foundation Server. You know, which 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 was an on-premise product and then eventually became an easier and easier way to install an on-premise product. But people have such <laughs> the darndest different configurations of network parties <laughs> and all, you know Active Directory trees and blah 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 blah. Um, and then taking that and actually taking it into a generic service in the cloud, there's um, getting into clouds really easily, but running it as a service is totally different to, to running on-premise products. So, uh, yeah. yeah. But what Coplex do do, do which is good, is they, they do open source, like, individual components, you know, like they have their wiki control and that's open mm-hmm. source. And, yeah, just, just you know, which is a good thing. So they are, they are giving back as well. So they're, they're a great team. And, like I say, they're absolutely insane in, in getting stuff out the door. I, I have a lot of time for the guys in that team. So it was a great, great listen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So our mailbag item, I want to thank uh, Michael Learned for uh, uh, shooting us an email and uh, giving speaking, us some great Speaking feedback. of CFS Rangers, he's a legend. <laughs> he, uh, we're trying to get him onto the show. We're trying to coordinate some time and, and get him on because, you know, we've been talking about how we want to get some AMO Rangers on it. So he contacted us, so we're going to put him on the hot seat if we can get away with it. Um, but he, he shot us an email and, and letting us know one of our past shows, I believe it was show 36. It was a backup on that. And, and we yeah. talked. I remember being yeah. a bit, I remember I was in a bit of doubt. We were talking about backup. And I'm like, was that a feature? I can't remember. Is this a feature we added or, you know, about, about security? And it turns yeah. out I was wrong. Yeah, putting uh, security on uh, build definitions mm-hmm. in general. And you know, he was all like, uh, guys, I, you know. He did it very well. Did it very. Pl- I, I, yeah, I thought exactly. his feedback was he didn't call us. You know, you guys are idiots. You could yeah. do this for a long time. No, he said, uh, you know, maybe I heard you wrong, but uh, <laughs> you can but you, do this. You're wrong. He, 
Yeah. yeah, we were very wrong. You know, you was absolutely right. We were wrong. You know, you can't put security on build definitions in 2010. It's not a new thing in uh, TFS 11. So there you go. Go to it. Go secure your build definitions today, everybody. Yeah. And I think that's a show. Yeah, fantastic. Well, uh, thanks, Michael, for sending that along. And if you have feedback, then do um, email us, radiotfs at gmail.com, um, or you know, come along to the, the website, and we've also got the, the phone number and things there. Um, but yeah, thanks very much for time. Thanks again, Greg. It's been a good show. Absolutely. Thank you. And we'll speak to you next time on Radio TFS. Radio TFS.